We are continuing our series in Ephesians, and today we're looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Ephesians 1, 15 to 23 says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give uh, give, pr- give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this letter that Paul recorded to those in Ephesus and the surrounding region. And we thank you for its encouragement to us today. We thank you for the way it uh, reminds us of the power that is inside of us through Jesus. We pray that you would be exalted as we preach your word this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, I don't know about you, but I think that regions and cities sort of take on their own characteristics. Um, Anyone notice that? You might have a region or a city that has a characteristic of education or the characteristic of manufacturing and industry or a characteristic of adventure or of leisure. Um, I think maybe our characteristic here might be leaning toward leisure more than, uh, more than some things, but uh, that's because we have so much beautiful land to enjoy uh, out here in Florida. And um, the truth is that while regions have a certain characteristic because of the people that have moved there, maybe the, the topography that is there, um, a number of factors, each region is a little different. And the fact is that while there are sort of these physical and, and uh, sort of cultural things that give a region its feel or vibe or, or what have you, uh, there's also a spiritual component to that as well. Uh, regions have a spiritual component to them, just like each of us as individuals have spiritual components. Because the truth is that the culture and, and the feel of a place is made up of usually the people that are in it. And the same is true spiritually. The people that are in a culture and in a place make up the spiritual um, uh, component of, of the feel of a place itself. And as we studied in Acts 19 a little bit about Ephesus, one of the things that you may have noticed, and I've pointed out some, is that, um, is that there is a, uh, a disposition to thinking about and tapping into spiritual matters, whether in a right manner or a wrong manner. 
And we saw how some who had come to faith came and, and burned their magical books and scripts and things because they realized that these things have actual power and they're affecting life. And they, they actually don't need to be sold. They need to be burned so that they don't affect somebody else in some negative manner. And so there's this spiritual component to the region of Ephesus uh, that is there. And I think that, that that reality plays out as we look through Ephesians, as we consider that context of, of, of uh, an understanding of the spiritual realm being present and, and being something we can access and interact with and touch and feel in some way. We see that throughout Ephesians. We see Paul actually five times referring to heavenly places, and, and only one other time is that phrase used, and the heavenly places we believe are, are the spiritual realm. We see in, in chapter 6, we'll see that, that Paul talks about fighting in the spiritual realm with the weapons of a spiritual warfare. Paul believes that um, it is important that we understand the spiritual reality that is around us. And so today we're going to see him uh, deal with a component of that, and he's going to tell the Ephesians that he's been praying for them. Not just the Ephesians, but uh, those in the entire region. He's going to tell them that he's been praying for them. Now the interesting thing about that is that Paul has written this letter maybe five to ten years after even being in Ephesus. Many of the people that, he, that received this letter have never had a face-to-face with Paul at all. They, they haven't met him. They have heard of him and his preaching of Jesus through others who have taken that message and given it to those around. And so the people that are hearing this message are hearing from Paul that may have been uh, integral in setting a foundation for the church in Ephesus, but they don't know Paul. This isn't like Corinth where Paul was uh, having a very intense relationship with Corinth and was addressing very specific issues in that church that were happening. This is Paul looking at a region and praying for people that he doesn't have a full relationship with in the way he has in other cities. So he tells them why he's praying for them and he tells them what he is praying for them. And, and at the end of this, we're going to see uh, the power with which he prays for them the immeasurable greatness of the power of Jesus. So why does Paul pray for the Ephesians? There's a few things, a few reasons that Paul prays for the Ephesians. Uh, First, we find in the very first few words of, of our passage, it says, for this reason. For this reason, Paul prays for what reason? The reason that was in the previous passage. Uh, why does Paul pray for the Ephesians? This is why. Because God, because of what God has done. Paul prays for the Ephesians because of what God has done through Jesus. And what has he done through Jesus? We learned this last week, that he has done these things. He has blessed us. He has chosen us. He has redeemed us. He has given us an inheritance. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. Why does Paul pray for the Ephesians? Because God is about the business of redeeming all humanity. And so he prays for the Ephesians and probably all those around the Ephesians that they would come to know this God who has blessed us and chose us and redeemed us and given us an inheritance and has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. He prays for the Ephesians because of what God has done through Jesus Christ. For this reason, Paul prays, for the Ephesians, the redemption 
of through Jesus Christ's blood. He also prays for the Ephesians because of the Ephesians' faith. Ephesians 1, verse 15, the very the second part of it says, For this reason, and because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, I pray for you. Because of the faith that he has heard of the Ephesians, he prays for them. What does that tell us? It tells us that if we're of faith, if we have come to faith in Christ Jesus, we need prayer. Like we, we actually can't do it on our own. We need other people to be praying for us. Paul prays for the Ephesians specifically because they have come to faith. And because they've come to faith, they are dealing with the spiritual realm in a place that is very attuned to the spiritual realm. And so they need the prayers. They need to be prayed for. They need the strength that comes through prayer. Paul prays for the Ephesians, Ephesians because of their faith in Jesus. He also prays for them because of their love toward all the saints and has thanksgiving for them because of their love toward all the saints. The remainder of that verse says, um, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. Paul is continually praying for the Ephesians because of what God has done for them, because they have placed their faith in Jesus, and because they love the saints. He is thankful for them and praying for them because of all these things. They are continually on his mind. Paul prays for believers even, even once he doesn't know. <laughs> See, Paul realizes that, that those that are coming to faith in Ephesians need to be girded up with the strength of prayer, need to be able to fight the spiritual fight. As we said in, in Ephesians 6, he's going to encourage all those that hear this letter that there is a spiritual battle that we must face, that we're faced with, and we must face it with spiritual weapons, including prayer in the Spirit. Paul is modeling to them that, listen, I pray for you because you've come to faith and now you are engaged in this spiritual battle. And you need these prayers. Paul prays for the Ephesians because believers need to support, need to fight for each other through prayer. There's a, there's a real battle that is taking place, and each of us can attest to that battle in our lives as we go about our days. We know that there's a spiritual component to the relationships that we are engaged in, and we can't fight that battle on our own. We need the strength of God to show up in those places, in those relationships that we have to make a difference. And so Paul prays for the Ephesians because he knows that each of them have those relationships that have spiritual components that, that he is willing to stand and take a fight for. And he wants them to do the same. He'll encourage them finally in Ephesians 6 that you too pray for me and pray in the Spirit because this is a spiritual battle that we're facing and prayer is effective. It's not just, you know, sort of uh, calming my body to be at peace. It's actually fighting with war in the heavenly realm. It actually causes change in the heavenly realm. Why does 
Paul pray for the Ephesians? He prays because they need it. Because he knows what God has done through Jesus, and he knows that they have come to faith, and they're loving the saints, and that in this city and in this region, they need prayer support. Why else would he do it? Why else would he spend his time praying for these people if they didn't need it? He, he knows they need prayer. And he also will ask them, pray for me also. We need to be praying for each other, even if we don't know each other. There's a spiritual component to our world, and uh, that spiritual component is engaged with prayer. So that's why he prays for the Ephesians. What does Paul pray for the Ephesians? We see in verses 17 to 19, there are a few things. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. A couple of things there. He prays for the Ephesians to have a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. So what does that mean? <laughs> a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. A spirit of wisdom, wisdom that is discerning what is true, revelation that is communication from God. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians is that the Lord would give the Ephesians a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. We understand this to be is that wisdom that is coming through the Spirit. Wisdom that is coming through the Spirit. Revelation that is coming through the Spirit. The Lexham Theological Word Book, fancy dictionary, basically, <laughs> says this about wisdom, that it's the quality of discerning what is true, what is ethically right, and what should be done in different situations. That's wisdom. I have this question of what's the difference between wisdom and revelation. So wisdom is the quality of discerning what is true and what is ethically right, what should be done in different situations. Contrast that with revelation, which is communication from God in various forms and through various means. Communication is knowledge that is hidden from men or previously unknown to men, which is given to humans from God. What is Paul praying for the Ephesians? He's praying that they would be wise in every situation. The Holy Spirit would give them wisdom beyond their natural capacity. That the Spirit would give them wisdom. Not that they would learn it through experience, but that the Spirit would show up and give them wisdom for the situations that they are encountering. They would all of a sudden have a realization that, you know what the wise thing to do in this case is? Not go into the theater and get beat up by the 25,000 people that are rioting, right? Paul listened to wisdom, right? When he, was in the, when he was in the room and people said, hey, they've got our two guys uh, in the theater and they are you know, threatening them and they're rioting. And Paul's like, let me go. I want to go preach the gospel to all those 25,000 people. And the people around him say, eh, this is not the time. These people don't even know why they're there, okay? Remember from Acts 19, they didn't know why they were there. <laughs> Paul, they, they, Paul received wisdom, in that case. And Paul so he prays for them. In the situations that you are facing, I pray that you'll have a spirit of wisdom on you. 
He also prays that they would have a spirit of revelation. That through dreams, direct speech, uh, angels, prophets, nature, that God would reveal himself to the Ephesians. That God would be speaking directly to them, telling them things uh, about anything. A couple things we should know here. First, that um, these Ephesians don't have this text as we have it, right? They don't have the New Testament all put together all nice and neat for them yet. Okay, they're clinging to a letter called the Ephesians, the letter from, the, letter from Paul to him, to, to them, um, as, as information about God and his character and how they're to interpret the Old Testament and all these things. And they, they may have some letters from other cities like the letter of Colossians that have been circulating. So they have little bits of what we have in full. So Paul's prayer for them is that, hey, yeah, he, didn't, he didn't have the whole New Testament just give them or even the whole, the whole of the Bible to just give them. But So he prays for revelation from the Spirit about God's character and his nature and who he is. So he prays for that. That's one very practical reason they needed the revelation of God, the spirit of revelation among themselves, that they would know more about God and who he is and how they should operate as a church with one another. And there are some who believe that that after this Bible is completed, there is no longer a need for a spirit of that kind of revelation. There's no more revelation to be given. I don't think that's true. I think God uh, desires to speak to us even now. And so uh, beyond just the, the lack of the text, uh, God wants to speak to you directly about the situations that you're facing. And, and how does God talk to you? Well, you set some time aside for him, you know? Out of our busy calendars, we need to make some time to maybe talk to him and, and maybe even have time to hear from him. Be open to God revealing himself to you through anything, you know, through nature, through enjoying nature, through enjoying a sunset over, uh, over the Gulf of Mexico. You know, to, to a friend that you're having coffee with in Restoration Cafe. <laughs> wow, shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> uh, but seriously, through one another, that, that God would be speaking directly to you, revealing himself to you. Know that, that God speaks today to you. That he wants to converse with you and tell you things about your situation. Paul prays for them that they would have a spirit of revelation, that the spirit would be speaking directly to them and that the Spirit would be giving them wisdom. These are some things that Paul prays for the Ephesians. Finally, Paul prays that they may know the hope of their calling. They may know the hope of their calling. Having your eyes, the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Paul prays for them that they may know the hope of their calling. Two things in this, that they may know the, the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and they may know the immeasurable 
the measurable greatness of power toward those who believe. There is power that is going toward you as you believe. And there are a glorious inheritance that is in the saints. What, is the, what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints? The inheritance that you have is eternal life. And, and that eternal life, um, for better or for worse, you know, is, is us together with God. It starts now with, with these people in this room and, and any other believers that you interact with. The riches of the inheritance in the saints is that, that we together will spend eternity in the presence of God. And the fact is that, that, that the riches of that glorious inheritance don't start when you die. They start now. They start when you have come to faith and placed your faith in Jesus. You enter into a kingdom that will remain eternally. And this man, John, and, and this woman, Christian, and Aretha and Sam and Sandy, that I will see you for eternity basking in the glory of our God and Father in heaven. It starts now. Our relationship, our eternal relationship starts now. The glorious inheritance in the saints is one we enjoy together, eternal life in the Son. 1 John five eleven to 12 says this, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. And whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. The inheritance that we receive in Jesus is eternal life. And we get to receive that inheritance with the saints eternally. And it starts today. When you've received the inheritance, when you've placed your faith in Jesus, you have received it. You have been changed, but you are still changing two verses, you've been changed. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You've been changed. When, when you come to faith in Jesus, you've received the glorious inheritance. You have been changed. This change in you continues until you become uh, uh, in, in your glorious body in heaven and in the fullness of sanctification at the end times when you spend the rest of eternity with the Lord. Uh, between now and, and the time you are face to face with Jesus and completely changed and all veil is removed and, and all shadow of uh, misunderstanding is taken away and you're completely in the face of Jesus, there's a process in place. Philippians 1.6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You have been changed and you're being changed. But the riches of that transformation, the riches of that inheritance are received now and continue unto eternity. And they're received not just individually, but corporately with those who you are around, the believers, the saints, the glorious, the riches of a glorious inheritance in the saints. That's the first component of the hope of your calling. You're, you're called to be part of 
uh, an eternal family that will bask in the, in the glory of the God and Father that we serve. Second component of uh, knowing the hope of your calling is, is knowing the immeasurable greatness of the power toward us who believe. And at this point, uh, while Paul is recording what he prays for the Ephesians, he gets caught up in describing the greatness of the power that is found in Jesus. The first few verses of this, he was sort of point, 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 and then he just gets caught up in this reality of the greatness, the immeasurable greatness of the power of Jesus toward those who believe. And that's what we'll see in the, in the last few verses. Paul says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's a mouthful of power right there. So this power, this immeasurable power that is toward you, this is what it sounds like, okay? This is the power of Jesus that now lives inside his church, inside of you and inside of me. This is the power with which we engage in the spiritual battle that is happening around us. Paul has told them that he's praying for them, and it's important for us to know that it's important to pray for the believers, even ones we don't know. Um, And he's told us what we pray for them and now he's going to show us the, really, the power that we have in that realm. He's shown us that there is a realm, and now he's showing us the inexhaustible power that we have within that realm. The power that raised Jesus from the grave to heavenly places. That's a pretty good starting spot, right? As you engage the reality that's around you spiritually, The same power that raised Jesus is the same power that lives inside of you. This immeasurable power toward us who believe is according to the working of his great might, the same working that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand and the heavenly places. That's the power that's at work in us. Uh, that's a challenge for me to believe that, you know, to like, to, to practically walk in that. It's like when I pray, when we pray later, to believe that that same power is the power with which I am praying for things to happen around me. If I had the faith to believe that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's going to confront all the issues that we're going to pray for later today and that we're going to pray for throughout our weeks and days and, um, and time. Man, that's the kind of power I need to pray with. That's the kind of faith I need to have. That, that this power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that can transform the lives of those around me from death to life. 
Paul continues to describe this power as um, above all. Above all rule. Above all authority. Above all power. Above all dominion. Above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but the one that's to come. Okay, I was thinking about this as we were singing and looking at the map and thinking, okay, that's a lot of countries over there, right? And each of those countries has a leader right now, okay? Today they've got a leader of some sort, a name that has been named, okay? It's a lot of names, and that's just today. Jesus' name is greater than all those names, And his name is greater than all the names that have ever been named in all those places ever. Not only now, not only then, but the ones that haven't even been named yet. His name is greater than all those names. It's a lot of names. Truth is, we look around at our culture and our world and say, There's a lot of names that uh, seem more powerful than mine, right? Look around at situations we're facing, man, that situation seems a lot lot more powerful than, uh, than how I feel. I don't feel as powerful as the situation I am facing. I don't feel as powerful as the name that I am faced up against. Paul says, The immeasurable greatness of his power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, is toward you who believe. That that, that power is above all rule, above all authority, above all power, above all dominion, above every name that's ever been named in this age and the one to come. That's a big name. And it's your name. You've taken on that name in Jesus. How do we know that? Verse 22, And he put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. The body, which is the fullness of him, who fills all in all. Who are you guys? Who are we? We're church. We're the church of Jesus And what's the characteristic of Jesus, church? It's filled with Jesus' power. Filled with the power of the one whose name is above every name that's ever been named, whose whose power is above all power, all authority, all dominion, all um, rule. Whose power raised him from the dead. That's the power that works in us as we pray. And as Paul is talking to the Ephesians about, okay, this is why I pray for you, because God has done an amazing thing. He has blessed you. He has chosen you. He has redeemed you. He has sealed you with the Holy Spirit. He's given you inheritance. And, and you have had faith in that. And your love is pouring out toward the saints. That's why I'm praying for you. And I want you to know that God's Spirit wants to give you wisdom and revelation and hope in the calling that is caught up in power and a glorious inheritance that you have now. There is no name that can come against us. There's no power that can come against the church in any sort of victory. 
the immeasurable greatness of the power of Jesus is living inside of you. And so any situation you face and any name you face is conquered at the cross. So let's go with these few things. Um, It's important for us to pray for our fellow believers. Ones we know and ones we don't know. Paul was on his knees for the people of Ephesus and the region surrounding because he had heard of their faith and their love toward the saints. And so he knew, uh, based on his experience in Ephesus, that they needed to be girded up with spiritual strength to face the things around them. He prayed for them. That's why every Sunday we pray for another church and we pray for another country. Because we know that there are situations outside of America that are a lot worse than we're facing today. And we know that prayer is effective, that the power of Jesus is working through our prayers. And so today, as we pray for Somalia, our prayers will be effective in Somalia for believers that are there, that they will have power against every name that is named in Somalia. It's important for us to pray for our fellow believers, ones we know, ones we don't. Let's go with this, that God can give you a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation and a knowledge of the hope of your calling. It's really simple, actually. You just ask him. (laughs) God, I need your wisdom. I I need your spirit to give me wisdom. I need your spirit to give me revelation about what I'm walking through. I need your hope for eternity to rest in my soul. You ask him. And finally, let's go with this. The fullness of the power of Jesus resides in the church. The fullness of his power resides in his body the church. You and you and you and you and you. As we go together sharing the love Jesus has poured out upon us, his power is at work in us. The fullness of his power resides in the church. Let's pray. God, we thank you for... uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians and the things he, that, we, that we looked at this morning. God, that that your power rests within us. That there is no name that is named that stands even close to your name. Lord, I pray that we would have faith to believe that faith to walk in that and proclaim that, that we would seek the spirit of wisdom for every situation that we face, that we would seek the spirit of revelation for every um, situation we're in. God, that we would rest not on the circumstances that are around us, 
but the circumstances that have been bought for us at the cross are our glorious inheritance. God, what we have in eternity far outweighs anything we will ever receive in this life. And it also far outweighs any difficulties we will face. Reminds us that the circumstances that are hard right now are circumstances that will not last forever. The hope of our calling is that you have purchased for us an eternal inheritance in the presence of God and all his saints. Lord, I pray this week that we would walk in the fullness of the power of Jesus that you have given to us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.